Hello, welcome back to Coffee with a Calvinist. This is a daily conversation about scripture, culture, and media from a Reformed perspective. Get your Bible and coffee ready and prepare to engage today's topic. Here's your host, Pastor Keith Foskey. Welcome back to Coffee with a Calvinist. My name is Keith Foskey and I am a Calvinist. Today is December 17th, 2020, and we're continuing on with our Christmas-themed shows. And today I have joining me my wife, Jennifer, and we're going to be talking about a very serious subject. Say hello, Jennifer. Hello, Keith. All right. We're going to be uh, actually responding to a listener question today. And even though it's not necessarily Christmas-themed, it is Christmas-related in this. Christmas is often a time where we have difficulty with our extended families. And I had a very important question that was sent in by a listener. And listener, you know who you are, and I want to thank you for listening to the program. I want to thank you for engaging with the program and sharing with me your dilemma And uh, the reason why I've invited my wife into the program today is because she has somewhat of a unique situation in her own life where she has um, uh, unbelieving family members that can sometimes be a little antagonistic toward the faith. And uh, let me just let me begin by sort of explaining the situation and the question. Um, The the listener who sent the question in mentioned that uh, she is a grandmother and she is a person who came to faith after her um, after she was an adult. And uh, even though she tried to raise her children in the faith, she uh, her her children are now no longer believers or were, or were never believers. And she has grandchildren, young grandchildren. And she's asking how she can be a positive influence for a gospel for the gospel with them, since her children are antagonistic to the faith. Jennifer, is that fairly accurate? We we both read the email. Yes, it is. Okay, and and you have a situation that is again somewhat similar in one way, in that you were raised in a in a non Christian home, but you had a believing grandmother. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Um, my grandmother lived with us throughout most of my childhood, and I have very fond memories of myself and my younger sister sitting in her room and listening to her read the Bible to us. And um, I remember that made an impression on me. But your parents um, didn't take you to church, right? Even though both of them were raised in church, your yes. mom and dad. Um, but they did not, they didn't take you to church. And so your grandmother's influence was really the primary Christian influence on you as a young person. That's right. We, yeah, we, I learned, um, my, um, childhood. I mean, what, what I believed was, you know, as a result of like my grandmother's teaching or friends, but I didn't grow up in a Christian home. So no, I didn't learn um, anything about the gospel from my parents. Okay. And, and again, what makes me bring up that situation with you is because um, the listener that we're dealing with is, is kind of in a similar situation as your grandmother. Um, She loves the gospel. She loves her 
children. She loves her grandchildren, but um, is dealing with uh, essentially a, uh, a, se- a generation in between. A generation that that doesn't uh, doesn't have a desire for the gospel doesn't have a desire for and, and in her case she mentioned is even antagonistic to the gospel and and the question is what can she do to be uh, a light to these to these young people and and I I thought a lot about this question and and again listener I told you I was going to put some thought into this and 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 and, and respond on the program and the way that that the first thing I want to mention is that your your unbelieving children are they they are the parents to the next generation of children and and they do have rights and responsibilities to their children that that have to be respected and at least there has to be some care given to how you ad- address their children and 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 the the analogy that my wife and I were talking about when we were discussing this program was the analogy of let's say let's say my parents were muslims and my parents wanted to teach my children their muslim faith i would not allow that because i don't believe in islam and so in a way that's sort of where the and again i'm not comparing christianity and islam i'm just saying from from the perspective of the unbelieving children uh they are seeing your faith as something they don't believe in and so they're going to be they're they're, they're not going to want you um interjecting that into their children's lives and so um you know jennifer you mentioned on the when we were th- thinking about this talking about this you mentioned the first thing was prayer right right that's something that your unbelieving uh, grandchildren, I mean, your unbelieving children and your um, son-in-law and your daughters and your son-in-laws, they can't prevent you from doing that. I mean, we have access to the Father, straight to the Father, and He hears us. And His Word, you know, tells us that, you know, he, He's near to us. So I would begin there. I would begin on my knees praying for opportunities um, especially as your grandchildren grow, to have that influence. Um, I've had times now, although my parents are not believers, that they've told me, you know, to pray for relatives or different health problems that people have had, or you know, within the family. Yeah, it's interesting to hear an unbelieving family member ask for prayer because they know you pray, yeah. and so it kind of shows that even the even the person who is an unbeliever, maybe antagonistic toward the faith, understands that there's more to this life than just this life, and they understand that God exists. And so um, it goes back to the Romans 1 principle of all men knowing that God does exist. So I think I think prayer is, is a great example of, of a first thing that you can do. And, and I know that may sound simple, but let me say this. It's not simple. It's the most important thing that we do. And oftentimes we we get moving on projects. We get moving on things that we want to do, moving on on things that motivate our hearts, and we forget to pray. And two things to think about for that. One, in regards to the importance of prayer, 
when we look at the life of Christ, prayer was prayer marked everything that he did. Sometimes he would get up in the morning early and go and pray. Sometimes he'd pray all night long. And if the Lord of glory, the one who created the very heavens and earth that we exist within, needed to pray, uh, then then how much more do we need to pray? And I'm also reminded of the re- the reformer Martin Luther. Uh, Martin Luther made a tremendous uh, statement one time. He said that he said that I have so much to accomplish today. I'm going to have to spend at least three hours in prayer just to get it all accomplished. And that statement has kind of stuck with me because, as far as Luther was concerned, he wasn't he wasn't going to accomplish anything without prayer. And so, so first and foremost, I, I agree with you, Jennifer. Prayer is is a number one concern. Um, a second thing that I have been considering when considering how to answer this is is going to the parents. And, and I understand. I read the email a couple of times, and I understand there's some antagonism towards the faith, and there's some antagonism towards organized religion, and feeling like the church is full of hypocrites. Um, people will say that people say, well, the church is full of hypocrites, but the, the big issue here though, is the question of whether or not you are being a hypocrite. And, and I, I don't know you listener. I, I know what I've read. I, I appreciate what you've written. And, uh, I can assume that you're not living a hypocritical life and therefore, um, going to your children and saying, look, you know, whatever you may think of the church, whatever you may think of the people who go to church, church is important to me, the Bible is important to me, and I believe that God exists, and this this is a legacy that I want to share with my grandchildren. This is an important this is an important part of my life and 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 I'm not I'm not trying to steal your children. I'm not trying to indoctrinate your children. I'm simply wanting to share something that is important in my life with with my grandchildren something that something that I believe in you know if if you had I know this may sound like a strange analogy but hear me out if you had fought in World War II let's say you were a grandfather who'd fought in World War II and and that was important to you you would want to share that with your grandchildren and I think your 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 children would would respect that um, and, and, and I know this is a much different scenario and I hope, does, does that make sense? Does the analogy, Jen? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You, you get what I'm saying? Okay. Cause, cause this is, this is difficult. I hope it makes sense because I understand faith in Jesus Christ is not the same as fighting in World War II. What I'm saying though is this, this is important to you and you share that with your children. You say, listen, I know you don't believe it. I know you don't agree, but this is important to me. And this is something that is valuable. And this is something that, that I believe is true. And therefore, I want to be able to share this. Can I, can, I, can I read the Bible to them when they come to my house? Can I tell them about what I believe and answer their questions as how I understand it? Also, um, I didn't catch this in the letter, but if you're local to where um, your grandchildren are, your children are, I mean, maybe you have an event at your church. Um, maybe you have an Alana or a vacation Bible school program or some some kind of uh, something that you can invite them to. Yeah, and, and again, uh, you know, oftentimes, I know this as a parent, oftentimes the opportunity to have our, our children be 
watched, you know, if it, if you were to be babysitted, you know, for a few hours. Um, if if there is an event like that, like Jennifer said, that might be a way to um, to at least to at least point them in a in in a, in, in the right direction. Just a couple things to consider. Um, one bathe this in prayer and we're going to pray for you. My wife and I are going to pray for you. We have your name, we have your email and um, we're going to pray for you. But on top of that, we want to encourage you to be in prayer and understand this, that it, even though some people may advise you to go behind your, go behind the backs of your, uh, your children to, to get to your grandchildren. Some people may advise that. I, I'm not going to advise you to do that because as a parent, that's not how I would want my children to be handled. And um, I understand this is the truth and you do what you have to do to get the truth. But you, you do have to trust God in this and you have to understand that, that God is sovereign in this. And again, we're reformed. You, you, you told me in your letter, you're, you, you believe in reformed theology. And so there is a sense in which we have to trust the Lord in this. And we can't simply um, say, well, my efforts are going to make all the difference. No, what makes all the difference is God's ability to save his people. And, you know, don't give up on your children who seem to be far from God. Don't give up on what this might be an opportunity in their life to be changed. So be in prayer for them, be in prayer for your your grandchildren, and I would say take every opportunity you can with re, with respect and um and soft words to try to encourage your children to allow you to engage your grandchildren with the gospel in whatever way that looks like, whether it's Awanas or whatever. And by doing that, you're also um, being able not only to reach your grandchildren, but also your your children, I mean, and their spouses. I mean, being able to, um, you know, always be ready to give a defense for the hope that's within you. I mean, what, why are they so harsh? You know, why, what about the hypocrites? You know, like with different family members I've heard, well, this church has all this money and they, you know, and I've had to relate that back and say, well, no, you know, that that's not the local church. That's not my church. That's not, you know, the churches on TBN aren't, do not represent Christianity. <laughs> you know, I've had to answer specific objections to the faith that an unbeliever has in their mind that it's, it's usually doesn't make sense. <laughs> so you'll have an opportunity to engage not only um, for your grandchildren, but also your children. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, that's a good, that's good advice for everybody, uh, especially here at Christmas time where we're going to be engaging with family members that we might not see all year long. We're going to be seeing them. We're going to be hearing their, their thoughts about the church. I can't, I can't tell you how many people want to tell me because they know I'm a pastor. They want to tell me all about their thoughts about the church and how the church once did them wrong. And, and, uh, they, you know, full of hypocrites and all kinds of things. And, and so it, it is good to have defenses for those things. Um, but at the same time to, to rest on the truth that Christ is building his church and Christ is sovereign over the body. And, um, 
the church is imperfect in the world, but it is it is it is in a perfect Savior. And so the the imperfections that we have to deal with, the hypocrisies and all of these things, don't change what the church is. Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, the Bible says Christ laid down his life for his bride. The bride is of Christ is the church. And so those the, the people who dis, you know, who hate the church, um, they, they're just wrong, you know, and, and, and sometimes knowing that in your heart is 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 the most important thing. Just know that they are incorrect in, in their thoughts about the church and they may not understand it. They may not know it. But uh, just be confident and, and stand firm. But again, when I said earlier, and I, and I know some people may challenge me because I said be respectful, because some people say, well, I've, I've heard people say, well, unbelievers don't, don't deserve respect. Well, here's, here's my, my thought on that. When it comes to dealing with parents and grandchildren, um, you, you've, you've got to show some respect, show some deference to the parents, and try your best to engage with the grandchildren at the at the respectful permission of the parents. Um, you know, you don't want to you don't want the child going back home and saying, you know, grandma told me about this man who rose from the dead, and that makes a huge deal. At least if you tell them, you know, when I'm with the children or when I see the children, I want to I want to tell them about my faith. At least you have that. And if they say no, then I want to appeal to at least one last scripture. Um, there, there's a passage in uh, in the New Testament. I'm going to look it up real quick. It, it, it refers to wives of unbelieving husbands, and uh, it talks about the, um, I think it's in, hold on. Did you remember, Jen? I'm looking it up now. The the wives of the unbelieving husbands winning them without a word. Um, give me just a second as I look this up. Uh, I believe it's in Second Peter. Uh, okay, First Peter three, verses one to six. And I know this isn't the same situation, but let's look up First Peter three one to six very quickly. And I'll show you what I'm referring to here. It says in 1 Peter 3, Wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Hear that again. Wives, be subject to your husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So basically what this is saying is if you're an unbelieving wife, and you, or, or you're, if you're a believing wife and you have an unbelieving husband, you may not be able to preach the gospel to him because he may not hear it from you. He may not want to hear it from you. He may tell you to shut your mouth. And how are you going to present the gospel to him? It says here, by your conduct, how you conduct yourself as a faithful person, as a person who, you know what, the church may be full of hypocrites, but you're not one of them. You know what, the church may be full of people who who are are awful sinners and, 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 and who are treating each other, mistreating each other, but you love the Lord, and they're going to see that in you. And so my encouragement to you would, 
as best as you can, be an example to the gospel to your family. If they tell you you can't tell them children about Jesus, well, you're going to have to deal with how you handle that. But ultimately, be an example to them as best you can. And if the question, when the question arises, Grandma, why are you acting this way? Why do you behave this way? It's because I love Jesus Christ. That's the answer, and that's the best answer you can give. And um, I hope that this has been helpful. You know, my wife and I have thought a lot about this, and I hope I hope that the answer to the question has been one that has been an encouragement to you. Jen, do you have anything that you'd like to share before we close? No, just pray without ceasing and just continue to just go to God in prayer and just ask him for the right words and the right just the you know just get to give you the clarity of mind and of, of what to say okay great thank you well again listener you know who you are but i hope this has been an encouragement to other listeners how can we deal with our difficult family members first and foremost pray Second, when we deal with them, deal respectfully with them. As the Bible says, we are to, when we give a defense for the hope that is within us, we do it with gentleness and respect or reverence. We are to do it that way. And uh, most of all, though, we pray for them and we trust them and we live, uh, we live for the gospel before them. Well, thank you all for listening today to this uh, special listener-encouraged uh, episode of Coffee with a Calvinist. My name is Keith Foskey. I've been joined by Jennifer Foskey today, and together we have been your Calvinists. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Coffee with a Calvinist. If you enjoyed the program, please take a moment to subscribe and provide us feedback. We love to receive your comments and questions and may even engage with them in a future episode. As you go about your day, remember this. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. All who come to him in repentance and faith will find him to be a perfect savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. May God be with you.